Hello again, and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Everyone Has a Story. This is the podcast that complements our two quarterly lifestyle magazines, Hello Sunshine and In Noosa Magazine. The autumn issues are on the streets of the Sunshine Coast and across Noosa in the hinterland right now. Uh, My guest on today's episode of our podcast always dreamt of creating a place where it felt like the people dining were at his home sharing a meal, somewhere warm, relaxed and familiar. The idea for Herbert sprang from a collaboration with Alex McKechnie, an earlier podcast guest, and the end result is described as a creative yin to an XL yang. The explanation to that lies ahead in the episode you're about to hear. Everyone has a story, and today I'd like you to meet Leon Johnston. So apparently, if I remember correctly, the idea for Herbert you and Alex were sailing. This is Alex's story about the idea for Herbert? Yeah, yeah keep, keep well, going. Well, keep you worked, no, no, well, you worked together at, at Light Years. Yep. And you were keen to do your own thing. Yep. And you were out sailing one day. Do you sail? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I sailed a little bit um, back in Sydney. Uh, and Alex has got a little boat that he acquired through dubious means. Um, not little, 26 foot little sloop. Um, so we went sailing, yeah. It sounds like a big boat. It's, yeah. it's not that big. It, as far 26? as yachts go, it's no. not that big. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's good. You can fit bunch of people have a sale have a nice day anyway um yeah before i even met alex this this idea had already started hatching in my head and i'd been working on the the landlord for a while and then when it was getting close to time to press the go button to to start putting things in motion i needed to find someone else to to work with me because i um i didn't have all the pieces i need to make it happen um and collaboration is always better than trying to do something by yourself yeah um, what pieces did you need Alex in terms of what, do, uh, what does he look, bring to he the brings, equation he's like the creative yin to my XL yang I'm gonna say um, did you say XL XL spreadsheets because I don't understand <laughs> no, Excel no. spreadsheet yeah yeah so I whilst you know I have creative elements I think having someone who um having someone to partner with who has definitely a, a, a creative sort of brain in the way that way he thinks about things and however he applies that to problems or challenges is different to the way I look at problems and challenges but together we work quite well together so it's finding someone who's complementary yeah so when you said complementary yeah it's talking of chi I thought you yeah. said exhale but it was XL XL no no XL. sorry right excess chi serious, exhaling the serious boring nerd reference but I, yeah, like, yeah. I love an XL spreadsheet so you guys were working together at light years and you had the idea well were, I, I had the opportunity yeah. and an I and a bit of a, and a broad idea which needed to be focused down and that's where someone like Alex having someone else involved helps you to focus that idea down and really uh, narrow it into something that's achievable. Yeah. yeah. In the way Herbert operates today, is mm. this the vision that you had? Loosely, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, it's... Uh, I, I think I, I probably said this to Alex in the very, very beginning, I want it to really feel like a, a fancy version of coming around to my house for dinner when you walk in the door, you know. It's it's warm and relaxed and inviting. It has all the, the good bits of formality without all the uh, over the top um, stuffiness. the stuffiness and the things in fine dining restaurants that are really just there to try and make you feel like you need to spend more money. Because uh, I don't. I find I don't, sometimes fine dining is uncomfortable. No I, I, I no find it always. Fun. I find it's always uncomfortable. No one's smiling. I hate it. I've worked in that environment <laughs> a lot. 
um, I've, you know, dined in that environment a lot. And it's like, I get there and go, oh God, my best behavior is not good enough for their minimum expectation of what good behavior no, I'm is. I'm glad as a restaurant too. Like, oh shit, I'm, I'm going to get me in trouble here. I'm glad you feel like so, that. So yeah, I try and avoid all of that, but keep all the good bits of formality and the, and the important things that make, make the experience a little bit better than it could be. Yeah. What was important to you when opening the doors on Herbert? Well, just that having it as like ha- having that warm, uh, relaxed, f- familiar feeling when when people first walk in, like they've never been here before, no idea, they don't know us, walk in the door and and instantaneously from there from the 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 look and feel of the place to the human interactions, make sure that that each person walks in and feels like they've just made a new friend. Yep. Uh, and they're safe and happy and confident and, and comfortable to enjoy themselves because that's what we do here just provide it's all anyone in hospitality does is help people provide a space or an environment where people can forget about stuff enjoy themselves a little while yeah release from daily stresses how long has it been open now a couple of years two years just two over years. two years so. and that's only cheap yeah um, it is because hospitality restaurants cafes mm-hmm. it's tough business um it's a terrible business. Don't ever do what, it. What do you if say? If you're listening terrib- to this, don't ever do yeah, it. Yeah, I know. What's that gag about? How do you make a million in Noosa? You start with two or something. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Well, my. Well, but what do you say? See, that's interesting. Why? Why, why do you say oh, it's a we terrible get a, business? We, we get addicted to it. People who are in it for a long time, like Alex and I, and, and whoever else. There's, like, there's lots of good reasons to do it. It's a terrible business, and it can be very difficult to make any money. And most people don't make any money. In terms of a job and a lifestyle, it can be really awesome um, if you're not too focused on having you know being a millionaire or whatever else um, but uh, it's you know there's enormous amounts of people interaction um, which is do you like you like yeah that? yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, we all we all do yeah. anyone who does this um, and does it well loves that and thrives on that yeah um, there's lots of freedoms there's not a lot of stress necessarily unless you own the place in which case there is but um, for everyone else it's usually pretty good um, chefs would, would the biggest stress be staffing no no, 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 no. Um, not if you, not if you have the right culture and create the right atmosphere. I, I'm talking about getting stuff. Yeah, I know. Is that, yeah, is yeah. That, that's that having the no. right. No, I don't think so. I mean, um, if you have the best culture and the best atmosphere and the best environment for people to work, you won't generally have problems getting stuff. Uh, now that said, staff is always one of the one of the problems for most businesses but most places don't have really really great culture for the for the people um, you know it's been in Australia I guess and, and chefs in my lifetime that are working 70 hours or 80 hours a week doing five double shifts getting there in the morning and leaving at night time as a as an 18 year old or 20 year old and they're, and they're done in three or four years then just because they're burnt out it's a horrible sort of thing so that's been that's been the way it's been in Australia for ages, chefs in front of house and whatever else. And we've tried to really change that idea and make it a more um, reasonable thing to, to be here and be working in this sort of environment. So we try and keep our chefs to four days a week. So they're getting three day weekends and we try and make sure that, um, you know, the same sort of thing for front of house staff and, and they're on salary anyway. Um, and really, really, really make it a, a small family environment where everyone's looking after each other and no one's pushing each other beyond what's sustainable. 
When you were at school, mm. is this what you thought you'd be doing? No, no, <laughs> no. Has anyone ever said yes to that question? A couple of people, but look, um, I don't think you I'm really know. Think yeah, I don't think you really what know. What did you want to do? I, I was very good at you know maths and sciences and things like that and physics and loved all of that sort of stuff. So ended up going to University of New South Wales studying engineering, did that for a little while. Um, swapped over and studied science, like, but quickly came to the realization that I was not as good as I thought I was at that. I loved it and I thought I was gonna, I thought I was pretty good at it, but when you get out into the wider world and start seeing actual sort of near geniuses in these sort of in these areas, you know, mm. this is, I've got nothing to contribute to this. Yeah, well. No, it was a, just a, it was a realization that I really didn't have much that I could. Or passion. Cont- yeah, it was, I was doing it because I was good at it, and I wanted to get out of Byron. They grew up in Byron. Grew up in Byron. Brunswick Heads, Byron Bay. Yeah, so get out of town when um, to go to university, and that was sort of in Sydney. chance to live in Sydney and start living yeah. in a city and experiencing that sort of thing. Okay. So, what was the next step after that? Um, well, I was. Uh, Working in um, down in in the rocks in Sydney in a in a kitchen that was owned by the Rockpool Group, uh, the Emerson Museum of Contemporary Art, and I was washing dishes to pay for my rent and pay for my university degree, which was um, hard work but super fun. Loved it, and that was the first time I'd ever got a bit of an experience of working in the kitchens and hospitality. And then I um, dropped out of uni and got a job. Uh, again down in the rocks in Sydney as a bartender in a big pub down there Um, and sort of in like six or nine months I was running the pub basically Um, and it was it was a big place I was probably 20 when I took over the license there when I became a licensee Uh, and it was fun I had no idea what I was doing none but you just make it up as you Mm. go and work it out as you go everyone who was working there had been doing it longer than I had and for some reason I just managed to I'm always interested in uh, the journeys that people take from the parents' perspective, having a 14-year-old. You have yeah. kids? Yeah, she's uh, four and a half. Uh, young? Yeah, starting school next year. What, what did your parents say when you dropped out of uni? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember any conversations around that? Um, you had their blessing? Were they... No, I don't think they were super happy. Nervous. But also... yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'm curious because, you know, I always like to talk to people about kids because, you know, raising kids is challenging. There's no manual. Yeah. And and there's many different stages as they grow up and then they choose a career and then, you know, like yourself, people that, that, that are good in one particular area end up going to university and then don't, don't follow that dream. Mm. But resoundingly at the end, you know, you always hear the best parents always go, you know, it'll, it'll work out. It's yeah. Like, it always I, works I, out. I think that's definitely the case. Like. <laughs> My dad was sort of within that engineering sort of oh, okay. for a long time, um, and I think he was probably a little bit disappointed. But um, I think I made that up within within about a year when I took him to a Bledisloe Cup match, rugby, paid for by one of the breweries from the pub that I was running, and got us like VIP seats and yeah. stuff. And he was like, "All right, this is not so bad, mate." Paying yeah. off. All right. Um, <laughs> I think after that he was like, "All right, this seems okay. Yeah, okay. if we can get some more of these tickets, it'd be all right." Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think yeah, they were pretty. They were like maybe a little bit disheartened in the beginning, and then it's like, wow, you know what? They're gonna they're gonna do whatever they want to do anyway. So let's just okay, always support supportive. Them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, right. Yeah, okay, definitely. So um, you're working in the kitchen, you're paying, you know, going to uni in Sydney, having fun, mm. 
first kind of insight into how a kitchen and behind the scenes operate. Yeah. Is that where your passion for hospitality and this seed for, well, I'd like to own, run, have my own place. These are my ideas. Yeah, it's definitely where it started. Yeah. Um, Because you get a look into the, those sort of environments, I find them quite addictive. That kitchen, particularly in the inner kitchen where it's, there's, there can be quite a lot of stress, quite a lot of, well, a, not lot, a lot I hear. I yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot of pressure, and everything's on a very short timeline, and, and everything's within. It's it's happening during service. It's all within a minute or three minutes yep. or five minutes, and um, that sort of environment. So there's super buzz going on, and everyone's work, like a small team is all working together as a larger, well-oiled machine. That's quite. Um, yeah. I think I think that's quite a. Um, especially when you're just out of school it's quite an evocative thing and it was really cool to watch and a lot of energy I want to be part of this and you know, yeah. these guys are you know it's high energy and high there's a lot of lot of passion and things bouncing around in this little room um, and you get to the end of it and everyone's like yeah good job everybody sit down have a beer and you know so did you enjoy those early days? Yeah, yeah, I loved it, man. Because a, a lot of people during their apprenticeship and, and in doing those kind of jobs find it it's very diff- difficult. It's, yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's grueling. It was a, sh- it was a, a lot, shitty a lot, job. A like lot of people dishes. walk away yeah. from, yeah. you know. And I think I, I did walk away from it because yeah. I went and started to work in a pub and manage the, manage the front of house because they wanted yeah. me to... Um, uh, it was part of the Rockpool group, which was Neil Perry back in the time. This is a long time ago, like 2000 and maybe 2000. 99 something like that when you're talking about the noise <laughs> that's, that's not a long time ago mate. I, it's all relative <laughs> I know that was 20 years ago but um, it's not a long time ago true true <laughs> uh, <laughs> and how did you end up here so you because light years which is where I think we first met Alex Bar- yeah, yeah Byron Bay so well okay Took over the pub in Sydney, down the line a bit, couple of couple of evolutions of that sort of thing. Uh, started working for a company called uh, Wagamama, Stuart Cosiora, oh, yeah. great guy who was bringing franchise. This, bringing, he was bringing this franchise over from the UK. It was right. really, really edgy and cool in the UK. Been going for like ten years there, and it was by the time it got to Australia, it was a little bit past its past its peak. About I'd 07, say seven oh eight. Yeah, thinking, something like Wagamama's. that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and I met a dude called Robbie. Robbie Ojoval, which is, and he's now the, he's one of the one of the head chefs for that place, and that was fun to work in. Big, crazy, busy, you know, small restaurant doing 150 covers for lunch every every day in the middle of the oh. city, sort of thing. Um, keeps you thinking every every minute during that service period. Uh, anyway, Robbie's a chef. Been friends with him for 20 odd years now. He was one of the the founders that started Light Years, um, and I'd moved up here. Um, well, for my daughter to be born up here in Noosa. I think what made a, you pick Noosa? Uh, my daughter's mum, my ex. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Also, Noosa's a great spot. I mean, I grew up coming well, here on holidays. Well, sometimes, really you know, Byron and Noosa kind of... You know, I hear people, especially Southerners, and they go, well, what do I do, Byron, or will I do Noosa? And yeah. then they, you hear they have this conversation, they go, oh, yeah, there's only one road in, one road out in Byron. And, <laughs> and, uh, and they end up in Noosa. I was just yeah. curious, because you grew up in Byron. Yeah, yeah, we grew up in Byron. I remember coming to Noosa for holidays, which is a bit weird, because yeah. th- there wasn't an, an, a huge amount of difference between the two no. when I was a kid, really. Would you believe, prior to moving here 23 years ago, I'd never been in the Sunshine Coast? I'd, I grew up in Bundaberg, which is up the road. Yeah. 
It's a coastal town, very small town. It's the it's north, northern Sunshine Coast. <laughs> no, not a bit further than that. Okay. But, but the point I'm making is in agreement with what you're saying. We had the beach there, and if we needed to go to the big smoke, we just went straight to Brisbane. Yeah. I'd, ne- I'd never set foot on the Sunshine yeah, right. Coast before, yeah, yeah. ever, uh, yeah. prior to you know, the year 2000. So to go then from Byron to come here and, and, and you know, very, do you, would you say very similar lifestyles? Oh, I think less so now, but more so when I was, a, you know, early teenager coming here on holidays with the family, definitely similar, but very different now. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, where were we? Back to Robbie and how we got to light years. Moved uh-huh. up here um, five-ish years ago, daughter's born. Uh, I was... Of a mind to do my own thing in town, uh-huh. bar, restaurant, whatever it might be. wasn't really sure. I didn't really know enough about the place, but just knew that I'd come out of Sydney and I wanted to um, make a mark on the town that my daughter was going to grow up in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like a legacy. Well, you know, I think legacy is a bit grandiose, but like no, at least have something. Be a part of the community. Be a contributing part of the community beyond My dad did job. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then Robbie and Robbie and his mate um, Kim, who started Light Years, they wanted to open one up here, and Robbie heard I was here, and he just kept harassing me until I agreed to run it because it's not—it wasn't really my style of what I was looking to do, um, but it was a great opportunity to, to build something and set it up and and um, meet meet everyone around town uh, and really get a bit of an idea of what what living in this community was like. Yeah. yeah. So that was some. Um, it was a great experience. Great fun. How long were you there for? Uh, probably two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. It's about what I promised them in the beginning. I was pretty open. I'm going to do this for a couple of years for you, and then I'll open my own thing around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Steal well, all the customers. Yeah. <laughs> the same street, just around the corner. Um, what do you do in the, for your downtime? Do you have any downtime? Um, I do have downtime. Um, I. I ask because, you know, running a restaurant or cafe is a, is a, very, a romantic notion attached to that. And even though I've never, and I don't have any experience of, sometimes I throw that out to my wife, Deb, and I say, yeah. this is years ago. And she goes, do you know what? Do you know anyone that runs a restaurant or cafe that has holidays? I was like, hmm, that's true. Is that true? It's very true. No, I've not had no, holiday. yeah. no holidays. <laughs> I've not had any holidays for a little while now. Yeah. Um, uh, that is... <laughs> Having downtime is important. Being able to, particularly in small business, whatever small business is, doesn't matter. I mean, my experience in restaurants is that it's very, very hard not to be thinking about it all the time. Really, really hard. And even if you are having a holiday or time away, it's still rolling around in your head. It's, and I, it's something you don't really mm. learn how to switch that off or no one really teaches you how to switch that off and until you figure out how. I don't think you can ever really get a proper break. Um, and it's really difficult. Um, the, the, the key to doing that is having other people around you who you can, who you trust or who are engaged or who are um, involved and liable the same way you are to make sure it happens. So having Alex and having Letitia who works Like for another us. stakeholder in the business. Yes, or if I'm away. key employees who you know and yeah. trust and who have a sort of a, a yeah. passionate involvement in how, how things work. So that, that makes it a little bit easier. But downtime, holidays is not something I've had for a little while. Maybe had a break before we started this. Two years um, ago. Yeah, that's not unusual. One, whole, one week every two, two and a half years is about right. Yeah. 
<laughs> still go sailing? Yeah, but the other thing is, we run our own business, so if we want to take a couple of days off to just go and you can. go for a sail, or if I don't want to work for the rest of the day, I just won't. Like, I probably won't, to be honest with you. I'm going to go home, take the dog for a walk, mow the lawns, and then go to the beach. Good day for I you. I think that's my Monday, yeah. to be honest with you. I've done enough work now. Yeah, you have. <laughs> um, what, what, what are your plans for the brand? What do you want to do with this place? Um, well, the plans for the brand have been evolving since since the beginning. Um, we were... I was kind of looking at this as a, uh, a, a test case, like a, a small-scale experiment size. And now that's... It's, it's a great restaurant and it's not small-scale by any means, but um, if we can make this work in this community, I think it can work in... Work, work really well the the idea behind the concept work really well in other places that are a bit more metropolitan have a bigger a bigger diversity of population market, so yep. Brisbane those sorts of things yeah, yeah. I'd like to do that for, for this particular one um, I'm not really too keen to go any like maybe I'd do Brisbane maybe we do possibly something on the Gold Coast like that with, with this mm. but I'm focused on being in Noosa in this community I don't really want to spend too much time mm. jumping around and Two to three restaurants like this is manageable, sort of remotely with the right people. More than that, and I think you start to have to, if they're geographically isolated, you need to expand the the, the structure of the company quite a well, bit. It gets more complex. Yeah, it gets much it? more complex. Um, so, having said that, and you and Alex equal partners. Yeah, in the yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. Do you have to, as partners? Uh, like a business question. Do you have to agree on the direction or the future of? of of how and what you want to do with the brand? Um, well, we work together to... For example, Alex said he's still keen to go to New York City. Yeah, and that's cool. And that, and does that... Like, how does that kind of dovetail into your ideas for what you want to do with it? Like, is that challenging, is what I'm asking? I'm just talking about partnerships now and how they work. And yeah, the dynamics okay. of how they work. Um, Well, Alex would still be able to be engaged in, in quite a way and probably most possibly in a better way by feeding us information about what's new and current on in different parts of the world from on the ground. So yeah. you know, something like that can be very beneficial. And his his role is more in that creative sort of um, conceptual thing, whereas I'm the nuts and bolts. So if we need to Are go you a numbers open, man? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Um, if we need to go and open new things, I'm finding the sites and, and working out if yeah, you've right. got enough square meters and yeah, fair enough. How much the 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 uh, extraction cost to get put in, whether it's worth it, blah blah blah. Um, so you know, in that respect, we our sort of roles can be separated out. Well, they complement each other. And they complement each other. Yeah. Different um, characteristics, but still, very, still very works as a partnership. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah right. But yeah, we do need to. We work together to like decide on direction for sure. Yeah. Um, it's not like one of us is going to right. We're going to go to. We're going to go and do this. We're going to go do that. Um, but also, we're looking at other ideas outside of Herbert and, and things within within this area that we can do to um, um, invigorate the area and keep things happening and keep it alive. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say we were talking about you know how difficult the hospitality industry is? One of the and again, I've talked to a lot of owners and chefs and people that work in the in the area in the industry. What a lot of people miss or lack is someone with your input into the, the numbers side of things. And the most successful cafes and restaurants are the people that get the whiteboard out and know what's coming in and know what's going out. 
Would you say that's true? That a lot of times when there are failures in this particular industry, it's, it's you might have a, a genius in the kitchen, and a great front of house and all that stuff, but if you can't crunch the numbers, then there's, there's not a lot of future for that business. This is kind of an integral, what you do is an integral part. I know this from Tony Kelly as well, the Tony Kelly group. He's a numbers guy. He's yeah. a chef, but he's a numbers guy. Yeah. Um, you definitely have to have several bases covered. So you, you know, you, ha- you have to have that creativity. You have to have that, um, the sort of front of house charisma. Hmm. But you do have to have the, the boring, yeah. checking the P&L for what's, what's the, where's the 1% that we can do better next week. Uh, and if you don't have, if you don't have those three and, and several other key elements, it's destined to fail. But it often is the case that people in this industry don't have the um, the, the spreadsheet and the numbers and, the, and that sort of accounting focus um, to to make sure it's going to work. And then you know they very very quickly run out of money. Hmm. Or it's integral. Yeah, it, it's got to be it's got to be done. So it's good to have people. And you know, Alex has worked in large groups as well. And those sort of large groups often are very good at teaching their people those sort of skills. Um, so I like uh, it's without that without that sort of attention to detail financially you'll be you'll be gone in six months no matter how well yeah. you do and no I agree and, and, no matter and how well yeah. it, it's just something that sprung to mind in terms of what successful brands do and businesses mm. do and what others don't if I think correctly so the business is two years old in 2021 I can't even remember now were we in the middle of COVID what was happening at that um, stage so we were we <laughs> brilliant timing brilliant timing um, the what, lease became it? available available just at sort of towards the end of the first round of COVID I think it was right. or, or just towards the end of it um, because yeah Alex and I were out sailing sending photos of, to friends in Melbourne who were like not allowed to leave the yeah, house yeah. and they were very unhappy yeah. about it um, anyway we were taking the lease over at that point and building um, sort of post first round of COVID and there was and then not long after we opened up there was another sort of wasn't as bad it wasn't as serious but it was still a you know there was lockdowns and close downs mm. we lost a lot of staff who we were sick and all this sort of thing so it was a lot of challenges yeah so it was, it was after the first one and and before the sort of second round yeah. we, were, we were building and opening in between the two yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm just coming back to this about how important the numbers what, what's coming in and what's coming out because I remember to, again talking to Tony much respect for Tony and he oh, was uh, his yeah. um, word. I remember him saying he got the whiteboard out and a marker, and he said he wanted he, he had to he had to crunch the numbers on how to hibernate the business. He said, "Yeah, yep. do you remember having to do um, something similar?" Oh, very much so. You've got to figure out like because the the environment you're operating in changed so radically, and like all of a sudden, I need to I need to be able to make sure that when when this passes over, we're in a position to grow and expand again. I need to have reserves Come here, in. I need to know, I need to reassess what my, what my, you know, I guess break evens yeah, and what yeah. the minimum, what the minimum thing we can get away with doing here is and how to, and then figure out how I make that happen yeah. uh, and how I can do that over the next X amount of time and whatever, that, you know, whatever that is, is doing, it's changing your business model entirely to try and Flexible. survive, pivoting I think it was called at yeah, the time, the yeah me too. <laughs> It annoyed me then, it annoys me now. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, changing your model, changing your strategy so that you can survive through 
pretty extremely challenging times. But knowing that that's going to be a, there's an endpoint somewhere there, just don't know when it is, but there is definitely an endpoint there. So how do we um, keep this thing alive? Hibernate. Yeah, Kelly it was a good word. On. It's a yeah, great, yeah. great word. Yeah. How do we keep this thing alive and have a heart rate so that when we can scale up again and things calm down? We're in a position to do so, and we're not like on our last dollar on that day. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, that comes down to like some serious, um, you know, soul searching and, and mathematics on a big whiteboard is the way to do that. And where what do we absolutely have to have as a bare minimum to keep this going? And you res you reset what your what your ideas and expectations are. Have to, otherwise you've got nothing. Leon Johnston from Herbert was my guest on today's episode of our podcast, Everyone Has a Story. If you enjoyed uh, today's episode, please feel free to share it on your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.